He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weber back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet. Put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, as always, Mr. Sean Cunningham from ABC 10. What's going on, Sean? Present and accounted for, as always, fresh off of... Uh, Present. <laughs> fresh <laughs> off of Kings practice. Um, today's a good day, James. Today's, today seems like a good day. Today's a good day. Uh, yeah. Do tell, Sean, do tell. We, we well, got good stuff happening? Yeah, I feel like it's interesting because we saw a Kings team that I didn't recognize last night mm-hmm. against the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't know who the hell those guys were. Um, there's a little bit of a favorable schedule coming up, which is a little bit cause for concern. The 49ers are gearing up for their playoffs. And uh, yeah, man, the weekend is just around the corner. So I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to it. I'm in a good, good place, good spirits. Good movies are out. Good music is out. It's good times. All right. Yeah, it is a, it's a Thursday night. And I, I think we even have, I have the night off. So Ooh. like once we get the podcast up, I might go out to dinner with the wife tonight. We'll see. Do some, do something special. I don't know. Um, I, I think I mentioned on the last pod, we got a new puppy. Uh, that's our big life change in the house. We have a new Corgi puppy. Um, she's an absolute doll. I don't know where she's at, but um, she may end up making an appearance. I don't know. She's got a mind of her own. Um, but, uh, outside of that, What's her man, name? uh, Isabella. Now I oh, say okay. that, Oh, hang on. Oh, here she comes. The wife is going to bring in the Corgi. Oh, the um, wife's going to make an appearance too. Uh, well, I don't know if the wife will come around the corner. Um, but. Oh, look at that. This is little Isabella. So. That is adorable. And I don't know if you, Corgis are like little tiny things. Yeah. Um, I was, I was picturing, you know, I should know what a Corgi looks like. Cause my aunt actually had one. But thinking Corgi, I immediately pictured a different breed of dog, and I was wrong. So, no, that's a beautiful dog. Way yeah, she's a, she's a sweet little thing. So, yeah. And she's not camera shy. Look at her. No, she's not <laughs> camera shy at all. All right, she's gone. The Corgi is gone. Proof that we got a Corgi. Because uh, people said if on D-Lo and Casey, if they don't see the Corgi, then the Corgi doesn't exist. So, well, dogs, dogs always make the day a lot better. They do. And, you know, we have three now. We have uh, a Golden who is like the sweetest dog of all time. He, his name is Phineas. He's, uh, oh, I want to say six going on seven. And then we have named Pug. after Billy Eilish's brother. Uh, no, Phineas and Ferb, which is why this okay. is Isabella because Phineas's girlfriend is, is Isabella on Phineas and Ferb. Um, and then we have, uh, our pug, we should have named Ferb cause he looks like a Ferb. Uh, but his name is Ozzy and he's a little chunk. Yeah. He, he does what he wants. <laughs> um all My right kind of guy. yeah <laughs> um <laughs> let's get to it sean um yeah. i think that we start off with the lakers win that was a breath of fresh air i don't know what happened to the kings from on sunday uh i thought that that was a one of the many low points of season i thought they had a better competitive fight in them on monday but still came up short we actually like there is potential here that if they could have hit that game winner we could actually see a winning streak again. Um, just 
the the fire, the heart, uh, the way the fans responded, the way they battled, the way they took a, a like a straight punch to the face from LeBron James, uh, both well, I guess a punch to the right hand uh, of Marvin Bagley. Poor, poor Marvin. Yeah, I felt bad for Marvin too. But you know, the thing that I I could the LeBron just took over, and mm-hmm. he gets to that he got all the way down to two points. And then boom, 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 boom. The Kings just rallied and like knocked them off their knocked them off kilter and, and took them out. And and I was as shocked as anyone in the building. But uh, Sean, just what was your impressions of just the effort and you know the fact that they're now? I think they have two wins against the Lakers, two wins against the Clippers. They've actually done pretty well in their own division. Yeah, and they're forcing teams to beat them with the three pointer because they're packing the paint defensively and they've actually made stops, James, which is like what <laughs> you know like Ooh. russell russell westbrook had some interesting moments and i think he kind of deteriorated the lakers late but they also made stops and they were like they were really just hoping that the lakers would settle for these outside shots so they're just daring them to miss and the lakers just couldn't hit an outside three so yeah you're right lebron did his takeover mode and brought it all the way back but then i thought he was a little bit too unselfish down the stretch especially in that uh in that play where in the uh, you know Malik Monk falls down and he throws it to him in front of the Kings bench and Malik gives it right back uh and yeah they made a stop and Kings were able to capitalize those those 70 points in the paint James I'm like where the hell has this been because we know this isn't a good three-point shooting team and yet they still for whatever reason just want to jack up a bunch of threes so yeah it was refreshing I do look I I realize that they're playing against a team that doesn't have really that shot blocking paint clogging presence, especially when they don't play Dwight Howard as Alvin Gentry and De'Aaron Fox pointed out last night. Mm -hmm. But I do feel there's something that you can roll into, uh, into other games. Like, look, I know they're coming off a game against Cleveland where you're playing, you know, three, seven footers so that it would be a little bit tougher to do. You have to kind of settle more for outside shots, but Look, James, we saw an aggressive Harrison Barnes. We haven't seen that in a while. I will caution people because they're like, oh, where's this been? It's like, well, he was like nine of 13. Like he still took the same eight to 12 shots that he he averages. I James and I always want to see him shoot more and yeah. do that more. But that moment where he's just holding the ball and just looking to absolutely penetrate, get to the line, that's the type of Harrison Barnes we love, know and love and and the Kings need that. The Kings need a, a presence like that. He hadn't had a 20 point game since before Christmas, before my birthday It was on the wow. 17th. So yeah, this was his first 20 point game since the 17th. And that was against Memphis. So, and he's one of the few teams, uh, Kings players that has not missed time on health and safety. Yeah. How about yeah. that? Yeah. So I, I mean, that, and, and not only that, but he's been there through all the health and safety issues which means that the opportunities have been there. So 100%. not only not only did he not miss, but he also he didn't take advantage during that time. Which Sean, no. like that's that's crazy. I didn't even realize it had been that long since he'd scored twenty. Well, yeah. and think about this, James. Like of all the things we talk about, and you can rattle them off. You know, hey, you got to play fast. Uh, your shots need to fall. Uh, you need De'Aaron to probably score twenty points. Like of all the ones you can talk about of what kind of illustrates success or translates to success for this Kings team to win. 
to me, I think it kind of starts with Harrison Barnes. Like you need Harrison Barnes to be a factor. You've won in spite Harrison Barnes being a factor because he means so much for your, your spacing and your defense. And we get all that. But like, I, I just think that this team, especially considering their, their scoring woes of late, like they haven't been able, James, we were talking about them hardly being able to score hundred points. Um, and they had really put a lot of games together where they're looking like one of the lowest scoring teams in the league. Uh, last night was refreshing. I think it kind of st- starts with Harrison Barnes being a, an effective, impactful player on the offensive end. Yeah. It's funny. Um, Luke Walton, when he left, I think they were eighth in offensive rating. I think after last night's game, they moved up to 21st. It's been that bad since Alvin Gentry took over. And I don't blame Alvin. I just, this is the, where this team is right now. Uh, we're going to do something different today. I, I put it out Ooh. that uh, we're going to do the podcast and that if people wanted to throw questions at us, they could throw questions at us and we'll try to get to them. Um, we got one from Goth Jock. You got me on his name. Uh, Metu, are we boosting trade value or developing into a role player leads into who is going to be left on the Kings front line after the deadline? Um, and then there's another one about Shemezi Metu. Uh, and basically, oh, uh, why doesn't Gentry give more minutes to Metu? He deserves them from uh, Carmine Borgia. Uh, you know, he's Sean- given him pretty good stretch, hasn't he? Yeah, and to be honest with you, like there are moments where Chimezi Metu is is like super fun to watch, and there are other times where it's just like, man, what are you doing? Like Chimezi Metu should never take nine shots in a first quarter, and that's happened this season. Like that should yeah. just never happen. Like unless all of all nine are dunks, like unless all of them are just some random breakaway or back cut or lob. Like there's no reason for Chemezi Metu ever to take nine shots in a quarter. That's not how this team is built. It's not how any team in the NBA is built for a role player uh, to take that many shots. But overall, Sean, you know, he's uh, the Kings have rights to him moving forward. He's on a, he was on a non-guaranteed deal, which the Kings picked up the, the second part of the, the guaranteed part. And so he's going to be here. Um, and he has opportunity to be here in Sacramento at like nothing next season too. I think his cap hold is like 1.6 or 1.8 million. I, I think like moving forward, Sean, he, he should be part of like the young, the young guys who are like on the fringe of being in the rotation. I'm not sure that he should always be a rotational player, but he's given them solid minutes, like better than I thought he would. I've enjoyed the up and down nature of Chimezi Metu because he can be a frustrating player. Yeah. He really can. Uh, I, and really the only time I ever get frustrated with him is just the, he starts to feel the outside shot a little bit more than probably he should. But Hey James, even last night against the Lakers comes up big. He has a game winner. I, 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 I couldn't help, but be the, you know, the sarcastic jerk that I am known to be, but I'm like, I, I remember when Chimezi Metu hit that game winner and I said, James Johnson, anyone? Like if you remember James Johnson hitting that three in the old building, and I think it was against the Knicks, if I'm not mistaken, but he hits a game winner and <laughs> the guy just thought he was Steph Curry at that point and could just do no wrong from beyond the arc. So I, I, I didn't want to see it have a similar effect, but I, you know, I was just kind of trying to make a joke, but no, here he comes up big against the Lakers again. That was a, a big three. It was probably the biggest bucket of the game you could argue. And, uh, it's not that like, 
take that aside. He, if the guy didn't shoot another three pointer again, the rest of the night, the rest of the season, I'd be okay with that. Some of the stuff he does around the paint around the hoop, both offensively and defensively are great. I like the fact that he's got some fire. I like the fact that he's known to get a T now granted that T kind of cost him in that, in that Cavaliers game the other night. But uh, I like that because it's a, it's a, this team doesn't have that. This team doesn't really have a fiery physical type presence. And he kind of embodies that at least in some of the rotational players. And I, you know, this team really needs more of that. So uh, I, I've liked Chimezi Metu. I don't know what the, what goth jock would like to see from, <laughs> from Chimezi. I mean, is he supposed to be, you know, taking minutes from Harrison Barnes, maybe Marvin Bagley, I don't know. I, I mean, to me, I think both players, you know, those guys aren't losing minutes right now. So um, I think the, if anything, he's taking minutes from maybe the Alex Len, maybe even the Mia Skeda, uh, who I think is the, sometimes. Yeah. So, because um, yeah. at this point, Marvin. Tristan Thompson is basically out of the rotation. Mo, good defensively. You don't really know. I mean, he's so, in, they're so inconsistent with the way they play Mo. So, um, Chemezi has already taken advantage of those minutes. I don't think you're going to see him play upwards of 30 minutes a game. So, yeah, I think he is who he is for this Kings team at this point. Like, yeah. and, the, and you, you brought up the game winner, but you also, you do have to look at his error in, in Monday night's loss as a crucial error that really, I mean, I, I don't like doing the whole one point cost you the game. Right. Well, you lost a one point game and he had a technical and like, under two minutes right like i it may have cost you the game like realistically <laughs> it may at least cost you a chance to have a, a a tie going into overtime uh with fox's miss and then like the the shot he hit against the lakers it was just a dagger and just mm -hmm. confident that's that's the one thing i will say about him he shoots with confidence and i'd much rather have a guy who doesn't mind pulling the trigger i want it to go in more times than it than it misses but he doesn't he doesn't shy away from the moment. And to me, that's that's a good trait to have for a young player. And on occasion, he tries to catch a body. I think he's gotten away from that being that uh, that poster dude that we saw last season. Um, he's become more of a three point shooter. But hey, I, I think he can do some things. He had a nice it was him with the big block, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. He had a great block that was uh, with the one with Russell Westbrook when he went up yeah. for that weak layup and he just swatted it off the glass. So <laughs> you're uh, as cold yeah, nice. as ice. RIP. <laughs> RIP. Uh, we're going to get to that in just a sec, uh, but we're going to hit one more question uh, from the fans right now. Uh, more minutes for Namias Keda right now. Question mark, question mark from Martin Freer. Um, look, I am. I, I <laughs> you just love did the look <laughs> i love me some mimi uh i think he is fun i think he is the future uh at the center position for the kings i think there he's going to have an opportunity to become a player uh it's probably two years away but he's going to have an opportunity to become a really solid like rotational player for this team i i believe that just by watching him and and watching talking to people around the franchise they really like him but if you're someone who wanted to see him go defend against LeBron James, I don't think you're being realistic. And then the flip side was Dwight Howard, who Dwight Howard is, is a strange cat. Um, he's a very different dude. Uh, say. 
yeah, <laughs> he is a strange dude, but he's still probably a Hall of Fame player who still looks like Superman and still like throws people around like ragdolls. Like, I, I think there are moments where you can get him opportunities against young players, which is what we saw against the Cavs. And then there are other moments where you need to be realistic about whether or not he can help a team win. Now, he could get to a point where he can do he can do both. He can help you win against anybody. Uh, but I don't think we're quite there yet. You need to realize who he's playing against. And then look ahead. And if Rashawn Holmes doesn't play on Friday or doesn't play on Sunday, now you're looking at a Houston Rockets team. And I think Nimi can do some major damage against the Houston Rockets. He can have like a really nice breakout, you know, couple of games. But then eventually he is going to go back to the G League. He is going to need more time to grow and to become who he's going to become as a player. Right, Sean? Yeah, I mean, it's the nature of the position. You're a two-way player, so you're definitely going to be back at the G League. And I think last night was important um, because even though he had extended minutes against Cleveland, and, and that was a anomaly of a situation with the amount of bigs that they have, um, and even in the Lakers, he gets in the game. wasn't a long stretch. But it was interesting because G League head coach Bobby Jackson was right behind the bench, on seated right behind the bench, involved in like coaching, you know. And it was the first time we had seen that this year because usually the G League has been uh, away, but he is right there behind the bench. It was the first time this season I had to ask somebody about it, and there he was, and he was in Nimi's ear a lot. He was in you know other guys' ear a lot, and it's productive. It's productive because you're seeing with the two-way player, you know, they're trying to use a lot of the same stuff that they use at the NBA level in the Stockton level as well, in the G league level as well. It's supposed to be a, you know, a cohesive cohesiveness between both squads. And I think it's super beneficial for him. It'll help expedite his evolution as an NBA player for sure. I do think by the way, and I did I mentioned this, you know, I think too oftentimes this Kings team particularly, and I think I know why, because they're not that good, but I, I, I don't like a lot of times when teams tend to look at what the other team is and does, and then goes, yeah, all right, we're going to adjust to that. We're, we're going to be the one to adapt to the environment that this team creates. No, don't, don't the whole, you, you have this mindset of, you need to punch first, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if you're the one that agree, like, hey, we don't want to be the one that gets punched first. We want to punch first. Well, it's as simple as your game plan. If you're a lot, if you're trying to adapt something to to adjust for the other team, you're already getting punched first, right? Yeah. Like that's the mentality I would have. Look, obviously you have to adapt. Like there's things that you're going to do throughout a game, and that's fine. But Alvin has gone with a very solid uh, ro uh, rotation of late. I think his starters have been the right call for the most part. Um, he's tinkered a little bit. I think the Chemezi Metu Marvin Bagley situation is kind of interesting. Uh, I, I don't think Alex Len is the answer as a starter there. If Damian Jones comes back, let's see what happens there. If Rashawn Holmes comes back, we'll see what happens there. Obviously he's going to be in the starting lineup. So um I'm interested to see what kind of lineup because I think Alvin has looked to go to co with a cohesive unit, but that's not going to stop him from tinkering a little bit. Point being, though, I do feel Nimi has a spot on this roster if he's available over guys like Tristan Thompson and 
um, Alex Len, especially as he can affect the game in a, in a positive way. If he can't, then you're going to have a very, very short leash. But I'm, I'm kind of tired of seeing some of the inconsistencies from Alex Len and Tristan Thompson when they have had opportunities. Yeah, and, and I think we talked about this on Tuesday. Like, if we get past the trade deadline and Alex Lynn is still, I mean, not Alex Lynn, Tristan Thompson's still on this roster, he's a big-time buyout candidate. He, I don't think he'll finish the season with Sacramento Kings uh, one way or another. I think there's a good chance he gets traded just because his, uh, like, $9.7 million contract fits into a couple of big deals that you could potentially do. And then that team can decide whether they're going to buy him out or, or play with him. I think there is an opportunity for him to be a veteran that steps onto a team and actually helps somebody that's, you know, like a, a, a good quality playoff team that needs somebody to play a couple of minutes here or there. They need just some depth in case they have injuries. I think that's a possibility for Tristan Thompson. I just don't think he'll be with the Kings to the, to finish this year, especially when you look at all the bigs that Kings have, you know, Again, I think I haven't seen a team with five centers on a roster and five centers. And, oh yeah, by the way, Marvin Bagley is probably a center and you probably haven't put him in the right position for the last four years. Four years, four yeah. years, right? So, I mean, Marvin Bagley to me has always looked like a center. I don't understand. He Correct. has a center game, whether he can hold his own defensively against centers, a bigger question, but that doesn't mean I don't think he has a center game. I think he does. Uh, and that's why I also think he can play with just about anybody on this team because you know, you have a bunch of different types of guys, and I think he works a lot. Uh, when Rashawn Holmes is healthy is like this big, giant, like, question in the sky. He's currently cleared health and safety protocols, but the problem is that he has missed, he's missed, I think it's 16 games, right? But he had like a four-game run where he started to get his legs back under him and then went right back out again. He's missed almost six weeks of action here, five weeks of action, something like that. Like it's going to take Rashawn Holmes a long time to get back in, in playing shape. He's not, I mean, this is almost a waste of a season for him at this point, just because it's two, two major setbacks. It costs you, you know, six, seven, eight games at a time, maybe even more. And, and so I, I hope that he comes back and, you know, finds his way. But I also know that there's going to be plenty of minutes to that position because I just don't think he's going to be the player. I, I asked Alvin today about, is how much that's impacted what you do offensively and defensively. I mean, this is a one guy they have that can go out and defend the perimeter as a center and he's just gone. And uh, he's also your best pick and roll uh, finisher at the rim. Now I, I bring up this because I think that's the cool thing about watching Namias play. He's so much different than every other big they have on the roster. He's, he's a combination of a couple of players He's not going to be the high flyer who, who has a bunch of uh, alley-oop hammers uh, like what you're going to see from Holmes and Damian Jones, but he sets a mean pick. He's really good in the two-man game. He's got really soft hands. He's a huge body. Every single time I watch him go box out, I just like want to applaud because he's putting a body on somebody, and even if he doesn't get the rebound, you see him drive his man out of the picture so someone else can walk in and grab it. And mm -hmm. so I think he's doing all the right things. And I also think he's already shown defensively like a higher defensive acumen than most of their other players. Like he just feels it. He knows where to be on defense. He knows how to play. So I think he's got potential. And uh, I, I think that there is a good chance he's going to see more and more action this, uh, this season. Um, and as he says, James, it's just basketball. 
It is. It's just basketball. Like, like it's that mentality. Like he just knows this is easy. We're just doing the, you know, it's easy. Yeah, we're just this playing basketball. basketball. That's we're all. Basketball. We're doing, yeah. I'm going to make the right basketball play. Yeah. I mean, he's destroying it at the G league level. Like there's almost, I don't want to say there's no reason to have him there, um, but he's almost like capped out. Like he, he needs more time to stretch his legs, to learn the pace, to do all that stuff. We saw him like not very confident early in the game against the Cavs. And then we saw him grow and grow and grow as the game went on. And then he's trying to hammer on people and you're like, Oh, Hey, Oh, like let's, let's take a step back here. You're getting confident. We see it. But uh, at the same time, I, like, I, I like, I like the, the potential. Uh, now two other things happened in the game. Actually, can I, can I say one thing real quick? Yeah. Today was kind of fun because in talking to him, uh, you know, we're in our interview room and we got to talk to him. Yeah. Um, and, and, afterwards he he stayed there the media was gone and you know i'm still in the room just kind of plugging away as i do and uh he ended up having to do two or three more ob- media obligations and they were all portuguese and all you know and it was it was fun i'm in the room and um you you can hear the interview the question you can hear what what's being said you know i couldn't understand a goddamn thing because it's on portuguese but the 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 excitement there both from the the, the folks that are interviewing him to you know, and Nimi has a very song, like a very kind of quiet, laid back voice, deep voice. He, he yeah. didn't really match that energy, but you could tell it was like all positive. Like these guys are just so excited for him. So I think if if you know, obviously James has quite the Portuguese following right now. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, Portuguese stories done on uh, on on Nimi here pretty soon. Yeah, um, I I actually like earlier like what, two weeks ago, I went on the air. I think I told that story. I went on the air in Portugal and I'm sitting there waiting like on Skype and I'm like sitting there and all they're doing is talking in Portuguese and I have no idea what they're saying at all. (laughs) And and then every once in a while, James Ham, like, I'm like, "Uh Oh, here it comes. And I had warned them. Like I only speak English. Like I'm, and then boom, they come on and they're asked. And that was it. The excitement, but also the lack of understanding of what the NBA is and how hard it is to get into the league and what the G league means versus, you know, uh, versus the NBA is just totally different. And, you know, he's putting up these huge stats and no, he's not, his stats are bigger than Rashawn Holmes. He's not a better player than Rashawn Holmes. That's just not the way it goes. Yeah. You got to learn, you got to put in your, uh, pay your dues and all that stuff. So I think there's a lot of good that can happen right there with, with Demi. Um, okay. And then let's, we have two other weird situations, which, um, Sean has, has info on, or was uh, like, first of all, the cold as ice thing. Okay. You're as cold as ice. There it is. Uh, (laughs) so the King started the bing bong thing, which if you're in the arena, they, they choose a bing bong player of the game. And that means that every time that player misses, they play bing bong up on the through the PA system very loudly. It wasn't funny to Sean and I, we were both like, Oh, this is horrible. But AP's Mike Wagaman sits behind us. And every single time he would start to chuckle, <laughs> Big giggle like a schoolgirl. We could you, hear I mean, him he over our shoulder. It. Yeah. it became something that made me laugh because every single time he would be sitting there typing away. Sometimes he's wearing headphones and then you'd hear it. And then you go, 
Bing bong. <laughs> and so we <laughs> he got a, a kick out of it, man. It was good. I I got a kick out of it too. Uh, because of him, not because of the Bing Bong. So the Kings decided. And I hated it. We hated it because it wasn't that they're yeah. biting what the Knicks did. You know that. You yeah. know if you're ever if you're familiar with side talk, Bing Bong is culturally. It's all for the New York Knicks stuff, New York Long Island, all that stuff, and uh, it's really funny. I've I follow a lot of them, and the Knicks have embraced it, and they use it in a celebratory fashion. They were the Kings were trying to use it in the wrong way and trying to make fun of people, and it just it didn't work. So, um, and I, which was great. Cause you asked every player last night about certain things. And even Ty was like, Oh, it's better than bing bong, you know, get rid of bing. It wasn't ours. It's not ours. So, yeah. Um, I like the fact that they were, I like the idea. So it gravitated to what, as you were talking about with the cold as ice go from bing bong to cold as ice. Yeah. So the last two games, we've had a cold as ice player of the game, which is, you know, they announce it during, during like when player announcements are coming, when guys are being announced for the starting five. And last night it was Westbrook. And, you know, as soon as they announced Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, and then he, you're as cold as ice. And it was like, Oh, he's the cold as ice player of the game. Um, and then who was it the previous game? Well, I mean, you had, um, I know when it back, when it was bing bong, you had Kevin Herter, you had Tyler hero. Uh, I think for the Cavs it was, I can't remember, actually. It wasn't Garland. Mm. No, who was it? No, I can't remember who it was, to be honest. Yeah. It wasn't Jared Allen. No, I don't it think so. Evan oh, Mobley. no, it's Laurie yeah. Markkinen. Oh, it was Markkinen. That's and right. And Markkinen yeah. missed a bunch of shots. I think he went over six to start the game. Yeah. It, was, it, it, it was It was impactful. nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was yeah. impactful. <laughs> and then the first, one of the first games was uh, against Dallas, and Brunson was and just killed them that's right like killed them. the the bing bong hit only like three times the whole game um so anyway uh i did ask the players about whether they liked the cold as ice better uh and yeah they definitely like cold as ice better um uh, i don't think Russell well, they Westbrook... went cold as ice they went cold as ice they did ice cold from outcast yeah you know what's colder than cold ice cold and then you had vanilla ice which you'd have the dun, 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 all that yeah yeah just just hilarious the ice ice baby so they had different variations of it and i was almost going to go down there and go hey there's a maroon five song called cold and you could even add a fourth one if you wanted to but all right. uh, it doesn't look like we're going to be seeing it anymore yeah so so sean's got some intel here um uh, again, I, I enjoyed it. Um, the guy that was in the media room with us last night, he's the one who who figured that one out, who like put the idea out there. Uh, as, but what's happening, Sean? So what's happening? And by the way, Mike Wagaman, Wags as we call him affectionately, loved Bing Bong and hated the coldest ice. He, <laughs> he did, which it. is funny <laughs> because he's like foreigner age, like right. cold as ice, foreigner the rock band that you would assume by looking at Mike Wagaman that he has a foreigner uh, LP sitting in his house somewhere. Like he's, he's got vinyl of foreigner somewhere. Yeah. Uh, just, just, you know, and he's, and by the way, he's Vallejo to the death. So he's the guy is huge into rap music. So it's uh it's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, I will say, yeah. So unfortunately, yeah, I, we, they won't be able to do any variation of bing bong, cold as ice that's going away uh i had unfortunately heard that 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 the nba cracked down on it and doesn't like doesn't like it they're taking it away and you know 
it's a, it, I found it fun. I found it amusing. I think the cynic could say, because I, you know, I always like to play the cynic. The cynic could say, "Hey, you're the Sacramento Kings. How dare you make fun of anybody?" But, but it was fun, and I think, uh, I think they found a pretty clever way to do it. Um, it was impactful. Russell Westbrook sucked last night. He was what two of 14, two of fifteen. Oh yeah, not and good then at he all. Was, he was asked about it afterwards and was like, "Well." where was that the last 14 years, which I thought was like a, all right. Yeah. But he gave it the, uh, oh, that's, fun. that's funny. Yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> maybe he knew, maybe he knew it was going away, but I found it's like the reason I found the reason kind of silly where they think it's like vilifying a player as opposed to just poking fun at a player. I don't know. I don't see how that's any different than hearing Nelson go from the Simpsons going, ha ha after hey, a free hey. throw. Yeah. Like I, I Maybe agree. it's because it's not sustained through the entire game, but I guess. Okay, Sean, uh, we're going to finish this portion of the pod with, with, um, we had another question. Oh, about the Buddy Hill situation. Um, mm. There was a moment when, uh, from Ray Hauer, um, Hauser, sorry, what was the play that Gentry went off on Buddy for? Um, if you missed it, Gentry, went off on buddy like he was yelling at him on the court there was another play where i like wanted to go and push alvin gentry down and sit there on the sidelines and yell and scream at buddy uh when he took like a super ill-advised three and then like you could actually see the all the assistants lining up with like the giant like 40 foot long hook trying to grab buddy healed and yank him off the court as fast as they could um but that's not what he got yelled at for. And Alvin Gentry, like he lost his mind a little bit. And buddy was like, calm Calm down, down. coach. Don't have a heart attack coach. And Uh, it's funny because in the moments we've seen people jump buddy's stuff this year, uh, buddy's reply to them is always trying to calm these people down. So I, but you know, it is. It is I think funny. He's used it, to getting yelled at, Sean. Yeah, yeah. He's like, hey <laughs> by, man, we're by gonna like talk this everyone through. in life, they probably yell at him for something at some point. Yeah, he's used to it. He's numb to it. Uh, yeah. The funny part was like, yeah, I, I, you know, after the media session today with Gentry, I, I wanted to ask him about it privately because I was like, I look, I don't, I don't give a damn like who yells at who. Uh, yeah. That's just what coaching looks like a lot of the times. Um, look, I remember. Rick Adelman used to lose his mind on Jason Williams like all the time. And, you know, Steve Kerr yells at Draymond Green every single game. So um, that's what coaching looks like. But on the play in particular, I was trying to figure out, you know, was it Buddy who has famously broken plays before? Defensive assignment miss? Was it an offensive thing where he just totally broke the play? And he came out and he's like, and I, so I pulled him aside real quick. I just wanted to ask him. And he said, no, no, no. And he didn't care that. I was asking privately or if anybody in the room, he just said, no, it, what, what was happening there? He says, I was wrong saying that Alvin was admitting fault. He says, buddy came over. I lost my mind on it. And he says, no, no, calm down, coach. Here's where Ariza was. Here's all this other, like the play itself. He says, buddy ran the right play. And even, I think it was Davion who came over at this, at the same point. He did. Um, was, he's, they were saying, no, no, no. That, so Alvin actually apologized to buddy in front of the team today at practice. Uh, as a result. So, um, you know, but it's still just a moment. And, and he says, look, the part that was that he found the most amusing is he's worried about me saying Alvin is worried about that buddy is worried about him saying no, no, coach, calm down. Don't need to lose your don't need to lose yourself right here. Calm down. And also, 
reminded him said, Hey man, you drafted me. <laughs> like, like you, you know what I'm like. So uh, I, I thought it was all kind of fun, man. Like it's just buddy being aware of the joke, like, Hey, you drafted me, but also being concerned about his coach. Like, yeah, don't, don't, you know, blow a gasket over this. Let's just remind buddy that while Alvin Gentry drafted you, he traded you four months later, your first time around. <laughs> so right. Let, let's not fool ourselves. Um, okay, so we're going to switch from uh, what we just saw on the court and all that to um, what is happening off the court. We are in the stretch run heading towards careening towards the trade deadline. And the trade deadline is something that um, I think, you know, realistically is is become so overblown. But at the same time, it's, it's almost like um, when R2-D2 shows up Uh-oh. in the, the first star Wars and uh, it's princess Leah keeps coming out like help us. Obi-Wan you're our only hope, right? That's, that's what this has become. Like the trade deadline is our only hope uh, to somehow save this, like this incredible season where the game, the Kings are only a half game out of the play in tournament. Um, but yeah, that was me being facetious. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The the Cam Reddish deal today, Cam Reddish goes from the Atlanta Hawks to the New York Knicks for Kevin Knox, which is basically like, I don't even know if they'll let him in the building, if if they're even going to like invite him inside or if he's going to have to stand outside until they wave him um, and a first round pick. And a lot of Kings fans are like, man, we've got a first round pick. And I'm just, first of all, I'm really surprised that Kings fans are so in on Cam Reddish. I blame uh, Kenny Caraway for part of that, um, who's been who's been riding the Cam Reddish train uh, for a guy who averages 11 points a game over the last two seasons. Um, I, like, hey, I, I like Cam Reddish as a player. I think he's got potential as a player. Uh, I know Sean, I'm surprised, isn't wearing a Cam Reddish uh, Duke jersey uh, just because he's a Dukey guy. Um, yeah, but, but that's – go ahead. But at the same time, like, people have to understand that there's a big difference between what they just got. They got a – it's realistically, it's one of the worst picks I've ever seen. And it's not just a bad pick to receive in a trade. Uh, it's a bad pick for the team who actually sent the pick out originally – which is the Charlotte Hornets. So the pick is protected in 2022, 23, 24, and 25. And it's like protected in like from one to 14, one to 18, one to like, there's all these weird protections. And like, so the Kings could have given them a better pick, but right now the Kings are the eighth pick in the draft, or that's what they project as. You don't give up a a top 10 pick for Cam Reddish. I'm sorry. He's, yeah, he's the, not the weight. Yeah. The value of that pick is not nearly what the Kings hold with it being a terrible team. That's going to be in the lottery uh, exactly. and likely and likely a top 10 pick. No, James, you, that's, no. Not, that's not the same thing. You don't, you don't do that. Now, granted, you could say you may have been able to move the one pick alone without Kevin, somebody like of the like of Kevin Knox, maybe, I don't know how the numbers would have crunched out, but Regardless, oh, you, like I, I would have, yeah, I would have liked Cam Reddish. Don't get me wrong, but I like him for a different reason than everyone else does. I like him because he gets to the freaking free throw line. 
<laughs> so um, that to me was be attractive, especially with the makeup of the team currently uh, yes. where they don't really have that. So yeah, I would have been for it. I don't know that I would have given up one of these for like, I'd have to have a real serious conversation about that and really kind of think about it. But he is a nice young player. He really is. And I, I, think I totally that, agree. And I think it's a good trade. Um, not necessarily for the Hawks, but the Hawks, I mean, look at it. They got Trey Young. They got John Collins. I mean, they're, they might be moving John Collins. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that are going on over there. So um, obviously they, they've committed some money to bogey. So they've got money that's kind of all over the place right now. So I can understand why they were making that move, especially for a young player that might have an, you know, that they might not be able to keep in terms of committing money to. So they're going to have to pay um, him this summer. Right. So it yeah. was, you got to, you got, you got to move him. So it made sense. So uh, good for, good for, uh, good for the Knicks. I think he can really help them. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a very, very good pickup for the Knicks. And the fact that the Knicks had an extra pick that they could trade for Cam Reddish it is great. Like, yeah. but that pick, just so people understand this, the Hornets who gave up that pick, the Hornets, because of what's called the stepping in rule, you're not allowed to trade consecutive picks in the NBA. Because that pick is sitting out there, they can't trade their 2022, 23, 24, 25, or 26th pick. They can't trade the next five years of first-round picks. So if you're the Kings and you're going to give up a first-round pick for Cam Reddish, but you're going to say, okay, but we want it to be like top 14 protected. Well, you can't trade the next pick, the next year's pick, because if, if it's not relayed this year as a top 14 protected and it goes to next year then not only can you trade not trade that pick but you can't trade the year after so if you're going to make a trade for cam reddish and say i want a protected 2021 uh, 2022 first round pick it's going to be top 10 protected that means you can't trade next year's pick either because the pick could get relayed next year and you can't trade the pick the year after that because it's stepping rule so basically, you're giving up your th- your first round picks, the ability to trade your first round picks for three years, and that's if you say I'll give you a 2022 this top 14, and then your 2023 is unprotected. Now you don't want to do that either, so you're going to say, hey, that next year is top eight protected. So now we just keep pushing this thing down the road until you eventually have to say, oh, if the 2023 pick is top eight protected then what's your 2024 protections? If that's if you have no protections, then you still can't trade that pick and the year after. So now you're looking at four years. So it's really complex, but unless the Kings had an additional first-round pick or they had a young player that Atlanta wanted or they had, say, they offered up three second-round picks and that would equal roughly maybe what Atlanta was getting, you know, there's a reason why Atlanta made that deal. And there's a reason because someone else doesn't want Cam Reddish in a trade. Someone else wants a draft pick. And so expect that to be part of a bigger deal that the Atlanta Hawks are going to turn around and do. The Kings, on the other hand, they still have all their first round picks right now. And so they can go out and they can make a big swing for the move, uh, swing for the fence move where, you know, you're giving up like two first round picks and maybe you have some protections, but again, that's an all in move where you're bringing back extreme talent. Like 
if I'm going to equate Cam Reddish to baseball terms, Cam Reddish is a really nice solid single, Sean, but he's not a bases empty solid single. He's a two out solid single, maybe one out solid single, but he's more like a two out solid single. So now he's on base, but you don't really, unless you have that next level guy that is going to drive him in a bunch of times, you can't guarantee what you got there at all. So, yeah, I don't look at I don't look at at Cam Reddish and think star power. No, um, because look, you this these are almost the types of moves you have to make, which is maybe getting a, getting a guy that has already been drafted that might be just right there. But I think a lot of people would look at him as like, all right, he's due money next year. How's that going to look, right? So um, it, it's a it's a tough call, but I think you're right, James. Like. There, no matter what move the Kings are going to be doing, be it a trade, be it what, it, there's always this overpay. There's always this kind of sense that you're going to have to do it. This, this ain't, in my opinion, this ain't the move. Um, no, now but, De- DeAndre Hunter, I might consider going a first first round pick because they're they're now talking that Hunter might be available. Like, okay, now we're this is a different player now. Has he have injury issues? Yes. I was gonna say, yeah, I, I that he falls in the same. He actually, I don't, I'm not as excited about him either. But yeah, um, either one. I mean, it's tough, right? Like, I'm it's not- just, it's just those aren't the ones. Again, if if we're talking about the first round picks, and, and I think that's the important thing to uh, isolate here. It's not so much saying, hey, we don't like these players yep. for the Sacramento Kings. I don't like these players necessarily with these picks in mind. You know. Yeah. That, that to me is the bigger thing. Now, could you have made the Cam Reddish move and not traded this year's first round pick and maybe trade the 2024 first round pick? Possibly. But as James said, you still get into the diciness of now you've kind of thrown away what you have to really deal with to get a top tier talent, a possible yeah. top tier talent, a possible Ben Simmons, things like that. And again, I know probably people are tired of hearing about that, but um, those are the types of moves that you have to use those picks for. You can't just give away that pick and get a guy that maybe you're not totally convinced can be a star. And it is the, those are the types of moves that you want to make the guy that's right there that maybe he can ascend. Maybe he can, he can, can ascend to a different height in Sacramento than he would have in Atlanta with some of those pieces around him. I get that, but this one does. I just don't think this is the move. Yeah. And it takes you out of the running for every other big move. Right, and those right. big moves might not come. We're going to be honest with you. Those big moves, they may not. May come. not. And, and they haven't it, so far, and we've been expecting them for the better part of a year now. So, And I'll even say this, Sean. If all the big moves happen and you're not involved in any of them, the Cam Reddish deal is something that I would have come back to. Like That's something that on the last day, if we already saw Ben Simmons go somewhere else and we already saw Sabonis go somewhere else or get pulled off the table, um, uh, Miles Turner, uh, name that player that we've heard mentioned, Pascal Siakam is not getting traded for Toronto. Now, if we get to the day or two before and you know that there's no way for you to trade, you know, to make a move, now that's fine. And then, so here's the tricky thing. If you were to trade that, say you give them a 2022 uh, like unprotected pick for, for Cam Reddish right then, and you're like, all right, the trade deadline's almost here. Let's just do this deal. Once that pick is, is selected, 
you start a new calendar year, now the Stepien rule no longer works. So now you can trade your 2023 and 25 and 27 picks. You're not tied down anymore if you make it unrestricted. But it's just too big of a gamble for a guy who may or may not become a really solid NBA player. And, you know, I think the biggest thing the Kings could have done is they could have already traded some of their veteran players to try to add pieces like first round picks, even if they aren't great first round picks. That's basically what this was. If they could have gone out and traded Harrison Barnes late in the summer or early in the season and then taken back, you know, maybe a, a first and like some younger players, then maybe you come back around to where you've got an extra pick. And then that's a whole nother deal when it comes to the step in and all that. But for right now, you would have just hamstrung yourself. And I get people want something to happen. Like the something that has to happen here is not a, a fringe move that might equal like a half win or two win or one win on the season. This yeah, I mean, uh, like, like a reboot. You buying tickets to see Cam Reddish, and again, like I'm not, I'm not trying to clown him. I'm just saying that, like, that's not your franchise-altering move. And again, maybe you don't have to make that franchise-altering move. I think you kind of have to. You kind of have to, and that's the move you need to be setting yourself up for. But it's just not the move that you, especially as you get into free into this uh, trade deadline, where hopefully there's a lot of action that takes place. Um, that that I don't think that that would have been the move to make. Person. Okay, Sean, I'm going to hit you with a question from uh, from another Sean. Um, oh, if the Kings how do you spell take... it the same way? No, S-H-A-A-N. What an... Oh, okay, that's different. That's the real... Different. Yeah, yeah. And it, uh, so I'm not even sure how we... I, I think it's Sean. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. But it's either that or Sean. Um, Let's go with it. Okay, so if the Kings take on uh, Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons package, can they do it without giving up Fox Halliburton first-round picks? No. No, they can't. I mean, the money's going to be. I mean, you think uh, Ben Simmons' money is outrageous. You add Tobias to that, which is also outrageous. You're going to have to. How are you going to get the money? You got to. Somebody's got to go. You're not going to be able to keep all your guys. So you, you got to match contracts. <laughs> so. I've I've done the math, Sean. You can you can trade uh, Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, and Marvin Bagley, and mm -hmm. that's enough to get the deal done. And um, Philly hangs up the phone. Well, of course, of course. Right. Uh, well, okay. So this is where we always get into what is value in the NBA. And I, I this is something that I, I like get into arguments with sports writers with, because it comes down to salary cap issues. And the reason why the 76ers are potentially looking to move Tobias Harris is not because he's not a good basketball player. It's because they were idiots and gave him like the most money that you could possibly give a player who has never been an all-star. I don't, I think he will have the highest paid salary for any player to, to never make an all-star team. And he's owed basically two years and 40, uh, 40 million a year. I mean, he's, he's, the, almost, he's this, he's this era's Sharif Abdurrahim. Uh, or like this era is like Jim McElvain. You remember McElvain got that oh, ridiculous God. contract. I was years trying ago? to be nice. He was yeah. terrible. Yeah. He, but <laughs> no, <laughs> like the problem with Tobias is like, let's just, let's just throw them up there. Yeah. Two players, Harrison Barnes, Tobias Harris. Like, I don't know how you want to rank them, but Tobias Harris is better than Harrison Barnes. hundred percent. Yes. But, but what, how much better is he? 
is he like, I guess we could go like 2K ratings, like an honest 2K rating for Tobias Harris is 84, 85. Oh, it's higher than that. I think it's probably like an 88, 89. Oh, I don't know about that. Okay. But how many points ahead of Harrison Barnes is he? Probably four or five. Four or five points. Okay. Yeah. He makes more than twice as much as Harrison Barnes. That's, that's the thing. So if you're the Philadelphia 76ers and you are looking to move off of those two players, I'll just tell you, Simmons is under contract for three years. Tobias Harris is two years after this year. Guess how much money those two numbers are combined. Five, basically five years of those, of those two, but it's two years for one and three years for the other ballpark it, Sean. Oh man, I'm not good at this. Um, Go ahead. $190 million. Now that has a cost that, and I don't care what Philadelphia is thinking. No one in the league is taking on Tobias Harris, unless maybe it's the Houston Rockets who would take Tobias Harris for John wall. Like that. It's not, he's not untradeable, but he's damn near close to untradeable. Well, especially if you have Ben Simmons on your team and Joel Embiid on your team and Seth Curry, who makes $20 million a year on your team. Like and Danny Green makes these, like 15. Like, yeah. Right. So these are the things that like, this is the reason Philly hangs up the phone though, which is you're bringing back some other bad contracts. Not you really. A, not really. Not as bad as Tobias. I get it. But it's not about this move. It's about the next move for Philly. I, I agree. I agree. And so, that's why that that's why they hang up the phone. So I'll tell you, like, between... but I will say the Kings, honestly, Tobias Harris should not prevent the Kings from trying to make that deal. No, like if you're getting Ben Simmons, first of all, congratulations. Yep. You won. Yep. <laughs> like, like that's the, that's the end of the story right there. I don't care what's going out the door for the most part, especially if you're getting somebody like Tobias Harris, because they complement each other. So, well, you got two players with size, one that can shoot one that can't. One that's a fantastic defense defender, one that's a fantastic rebounder, one that both of them are fantastic rebounders, and the other one that is an absolute wizard as a playmaker. As and you know, I, I know we're saying this, James, as a guy who hasn't played in what is it now, seven months? Seven months. Who we saw as a train wreck in the playoffs, and maybe there's a mental health thing going on there. That's one of the reasons why he's staying away from the Sixers, allegedly. Um, so but I think everybody looks at that and goes, he's fine. <laughs> like, I don't think anybody... he's fine, but he's going to take two weeks to, to ramp up well, and, and be ready. Guy, yeah. hundred percent. But I yeah. think upstairs, yeah. you know, there might be a Nick Anderson thing, but I don't think the Nick Anderson thing, like at the end of the day, if Ben Simmons comes to town and he's still got some issues going up upstairs, let's just pretend he's never going to be able to hit an open shot ever again. <laughs> okay. As long as he can dunk, lay up, or get into the paint like we know he can and do all the other things defensively, rebound, uh, play make, I'll take it. I don't care. if Just tell him not to shoot. Don't shoot. And granted, you might get into the whole, we're just going to hack Ben Simmons and get him to the free throw line. I get that. But everything else that he can provide is fantastic for your team. Yeah, I, I, I like agree 100%. And that's where I would tell you that like in the grand scheme of things, like they don't want De'Aaron Fox, but you might have to give up Fox so they can trade Fox somewhere else. And But they don't want Fox at this point. I think Tyrese Maxey has proven to be a solid NBA player, and he might even be equal to 
Fox at like like a tenth the price. Like he's making nothing, and he's going to make nothing for a long time. Where Fox is already making a ton of money. So if they were to mm-hmm. trade Fox in that deal, it would be so they could move Fox somewhere else. If I'm Philadelphia and I'm being realistic about the cap hit that I'm that I'm getting out from underneath the 190 million, and I'm basically taking on 18 million from Harrison Barnes and basically 40 million. So $58 million. So if I'm going to save $132 million, that is not nothing. It's not, but you're also looking at it in terms of long-term. Whereas I do feel those, that problem is a little bit down the road. If you're, if you're working in the now and then you get to a point, it's like you still have the ability to move some of these players um, those two dudes make 73 million next year and 77 the million the year after that 77 that's million money. that's a lot of money and it's a good problem to, to have to be honest with you <laughs> the the kings could i know this is crazy the kings could actually fit them under the cap uh and actually under the luxury tax with fox and halliburton still on the roster with Rashawn Holmes still on the roster so the trade that i would propose and keep proposing until we get all the way up until the deadline is I'll give you, I'll, I'll move uh, Marvin Bagley to Portland for Robert Covington, package Covington in the deal that goes to Philadelphia. So you get Covington, you get Harrison Barnes, you get Buddy Heald. You can throw in Tristan Thompson or not uh, because the dollar amounts would work with him or, or not. Um, and then they would have to throw in like Isaiah Joe and like some other smaller contracts. Uh, and then... I'm giving you an unprotected 2022 pick and I'm giving you an unprotected 2024 first round pick and I'm, I'm all in. And to be honest with you, Sean, uh, 2022 and a 2024 first round pick, that is a lot more valuable than De'Aaron Fox at this point. It's not a negative contract. You know what you're, you're going to be a pretty like specifically the 2022 you're going to be there's a good chance that Ben Simmons doesn't impact anything this season. Tobias Harris might be a better player than Harrison Barnes. He probably will be a, a better player than Harrison Barnes, but maybe not like a difference maker. You might still be in the same position you're in right now where you're scuffling trying to get into the playoffs. But if I'm the Kings and there's any way you do make the play in, and then there's some way that you do make it to the number eight seed and get to play in the first round, that's now like a 14th pick and it's not that bad. Now you have the potential that it's the number eight pick or the number seven pick. And then heaven forbid, it goes up into the top three and Philadelphia gets some great thing, but you still got Ben Simmons and you still got uh, two more seasons of Tobias Harris. So I think that the $132 million price difference that you're saving is huge and it gives them pieces that they can go and move and find better players that, that fit what they're doing or just frees up cap space that lets them go and make deals and, and sign players and do other things. Um, so I'm, I'm not all on board with giving up Fox or Halliburton. If you got to throw in Mitchell, I understand that, but I'm not giving up Fox and Halliburton in that deal. I might be wrong. I might be crazy, but I like doing the math. You can still fit it under the luxury tax. You'd be close. You'd have $145 million payroll next year, which would be right under the luxury tax. Um, but I, I think you could still build a roster. You might have to take a picture of that trade and send it to me. I tried to follow along and write that down. I think I got it. Um, but I will say this, James, like I get asked a lot, like who's untouchable, which 
I always say nobody, but that doesn't mean that like I'm trading. I'll give you an example. Like we were having a discussion about Simmons last night and I basically said to the, to the effect of you could pick any three players on this team right now and take them and, and I'll take them back. I'll take, I'll take Simmons back. Like, right. Just, just from a theoretical standpoint, you know, salary cap be damned. If I just said, James, pick any three players on this Kings roster right now, who would you want? You've got Ben Simmons. I've got the Kings roster and you want three players right now from this roster. I'd give you any three. I don't care. Yeah. It'd be Fox so, Halliburton and well, right. probably Rashawn. Right. So let, cap let, and if that's the trade, I would, in my heart, I would do that trade. I might be, I might be foolish, whatever. I would do that trade. It does get the, one of the things I wouldn't want to do, especially when it comes to involving your picks, it's to me, it's either Fox or Halliburton. I'm not doing both. No. And obviously I think if we talked about how, um, if you had to prioritize one, who's more tradable, I think most people would be more interested in, Tyrese because of the team control because he makes less money because of the type of player he is as a playmaker as opposed to De'Aaron who already has a bunch of money attached to him right now um so I get that but at the same time I'm I'm not out there saying here's Tyrese and here's Fox for whoever to me and my whole thing is there's nobody that's untradeable on this team for me uh, like everybody's in play including the picks however when you start getting the picks involved, that's where it gets dicey to me. That's where not everybody is so much available. So um, at that point, I'm not saying pick three and then take my picks. I'm saying take my pick and maybe pick one or two. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's where it gets a little bit more tough. Yeah. But if you've got Tobias Harris attached to it, then it's even more tougher. Well, it becomes a, like, it's a big deal. If you add Tobias Harris to it, it it's a, that's a financial hardship. I mean, that that's strapping a franchise for the next two and a half years, the rest of the season and the final two. That's that's big time. And and so I think you're always going to have an issue with like, wait, how do we figure this one out? Like you got to do something right. And and I think if you're bolstering a team's opportunity to win a championship this year, because Simmons is not going back there. So basically you're you're saying is I, I mean, realistically, for gameplay reason is Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, a guy like Robert Covington, and even say Tristan Thompson as a spare piece, would they help you win more games this year than just Tobias Harris? Because Simmons ain't coming back. He's not playing for that team this year. And I think the answer is yes. I mean, or you're just going to keep wasting years of Joel Embiid's career. And like, so I think it, like there's, there's a potential. I sent you the trade that uh, we were talking about, like I did, I did the math on it and uh, you, you have to involve the third team at some point because the Kings have to take in a certain amount of money. I, I think there's also a way that you can, again, shovel Tristan Thompson to a different team. Um, even if it is Philadelphia. <laughs> shovel, yeah. shovel. Well, at this point, like Tristan Thompson to me, like, I, I don't know that he's going to hardly play at all. It, it, if he will even see the court, I mean, he's dealing with what they're calling a quad injury, but uh, anyway, um, I think it's it's an interesting conversation, and I, I think it's going to keep going up until the deadline. I think there are other teams that are going to be involved, but at the end of the day, I, I think Philadelphia knows that they have to do something, and they do like Buddy. You got to like Harrison Barnes. Like, does he move the needle uh, in a straight Tobias Harris for for uh, 
Harrison Barnes trade. Like if I'm the Kings, I wouldn't take that deal. It's too much money. It's too much yeah. money. If, if you weren't With, getting Simmons, it's, it's just too much money. The other, the other piece that I look at too, if they're getting Simmons, I kind of like Seth Curry um, because you're going to need shooting around him. And I know he makes like $20 million. I think he makes, I haven't looked at, I think he has another year remaining on the deal. Maybe it might be two. Um, but you know, I think just things that I, conversations I've had at least as early as November, like Philly has an interest in Buddy Heald because they want shooting and they feel that they have a team much like, and people scoff at it, like he won't have to play the same role as he does on the Kings. So he, he would be a perfect fit for Philly uh, for the type of things that they would be doing. And I feel like, you know, if you're doing that, okay, great. I'm losing a great shooter and you're bringing in Simmons. You got to surround him with shooting. Seth Curry or Tobias Harris, like kind of have to be a part of the deal, I would think. And I think Seth is a little bit more easy to, to absorb. Yeah. But if you're taking on Seth then it means that you're giving more back, right. I mean, that's, that's what it, it comes down to. You're going to have to give more back. And that's when you start getting into Fox and you start getting into Halliburton and all that stuff. So I don't know. I, we'll, we'll have to see if, uh, if, it, if anything materializes between these two teams, um, I, I do really, I, I think it's really interesting because it's, it's not always about player for player value. And, and Sean, I'll even say this, like the reason I would keep Fox is because if you got Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons, they'd be the best two players he'd ever played with. And I just don't think you've ever given him enough to like, say, okay, like you didn't get us there. Like, I, I don't think you gave him enough, uh, around him to to make the push that everyone thought that they could make and so uh, simmons yeah. and fox together sounds weird two guys that just don't really shoot and yeah obviously run the floor well but it would be it'd be pretty interesting at least you'd have someone who could rebound and, and make outlet passes and play oh, defense sure. like yeah. i mean again like simmons eventually if you get simmons in the right frame of mind you get simmons with the right person and gets him in working it all summer long, shooting from the corner um, and, and hitting the three. I think it just makes, you could make him into a passable three-point shooter or at least someone that can at least stand out there and take some uh, where I, I, they just haven't done that in Philly. I don't know why it hasn't worked out there. I know there's, you know, whether he works hard enough or whatever, I, but um, he's a very talented basketball player. Uh, we were going to do something else, but uh, we're going to skip it. We were going to do like uh what keep them or trade them or keep them trade them and uh, keep them keep yeah. them or chuck them <laughs> yeah <laughs> something like that um but uh for time purposes i think we'll skip that um let's get to the business of basketball Ooh, um, what do you got yeah we're on the clock here sean we got to move quickly through this um we we've been talking about trades the whole time what is the worst trade that you've ever seen in sacramento now we've talked about like uh, like the most shocking trade, uh, which I think was DeMarcus Cousins. But like, what is one that stands out that you just went, holy cow, that went very poorly? Mm. I think the one that kind of leaps off the page is the is the Philly trade that Vlade made. And again, I know it didn't it 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 resulted in something fine, but you had handlebars on your organization for a very long time, um, and that was that was really tough to deal with. Uh, that's the one that leaps off the page. There's got to be one that I'm not thinking of right now. Uh, it's not. We had a better deal two days ago. 
<laughs> I mean, it is to a degree because I still feel you didn't get enough for him. And I know like, yeah. we know what DeMarcus is now, but at the time he wasn't that. And I, I do caution people like there, there's people out there that go, oh, he got rid of him at the right time because look, he blew his Achilles as if that was destined to happen in Sacramento. It's not like that's not the case. Like <laughs> injuries are freaky. It's not like you just had the amount of steps and all of a sudden it was just going to pop like a time bomb. Like it was just ticking. Um that that's so unfair and that's not even scientifically true. So I don't like, I don't like that argument. Um, it's science, Sean. It's science. It's just, it's, it's science. It's science. <laughs> okay. Um, God, man, that's, I will say this. I, the worst trade that I can think of in the, uh, <laughs> the worst trade I can think of recently is maybe the DeLon Wright trade. Cause that, that just absolutely boggles the mind. Uh, I know I don't like to bring up something as, so recent but it, it it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a like a salt in the wound right there because look i know he's not lighting the world world on fire in atlanta but tristan thompson like the, delon wright serves a purpose on this king's team right now like he's a better player yeah. oh my god he would um, it would have made it easier for you to trade buddy Hield as well like and yeah, not get that. back players like other players back like it would have made things a lot easier uh, okay, Boy, so I'm gonna th- gotta be some. Do you got? Yeah, do you have some? Well, in mind? F- I didn't f- even know we're doing this. This is a yeah. Good the first, I mean, like I didn't cover the team when this happened, but the Chris Weber trade still always like I know you broke them up into three pieces, but then you couldn't get rid of the three pieces, so it was like okay, so now I got I got three mediocre to bad players then and, and no Chris Weber, and I know he was kind of shot at that point. Um, I liked Brian Skinner. I, I always liked how Brian Skinner. Uh, when guys would get get fouled and go up in continuation for layups, Brian mm-hmm. Skinner would fly in and block uh, those attempts, and he doesn't get blocks for him, but they still count. They, the and one doesn't happen if you blocked a shot. So I always enjoyed that with Brian Skinner. I thought Kenny Thomas, who is on the broadcast now, uh, like just just was bad after his well, first season in Sacramento. He was just like, for, eh, I give him like two seats. I thought mm-hmm. I thought they stopped the way they stopped playing him was a little bit unfair. I mean, look, he, they didn't sign him to that contract that traded him for, to it. Yep. I thought Kenny was really good. It wasn't his fault. He made all that money. I mean, that was Larry Brown. You know, they did that. But. Yeah. And then what was it? It was Corliss, right? Yeah. Corliss was a tough, I mean, Corliss came over. I remember, I remember Matt Barnes and um, Michael time. Bradley went, went, went with Weber, but it was yeah. the second time. Yeah. But it was. Uh, well, and I'm going to bring up the other trade. The other trade that people aren't thinking about, and it's why I just walked through this entire situation about the stepping rule with you. One of the worst trades the Sacramento Kings ever made was Omri Caspi and a first round pick to the Cleveland Cavaliers for JJ Hickson. And JJ Hickson didn't make it through the season. They had to wave his ass because (laughs) he was, uh, he, he was a joy he was a joy to be around. Uh, JJ Hickson spoke in the third person at all times. Uh, he was very strange. But the problem that you have with that deal is you thought you were getting a better player. You didn't get a better player. You got a player that you couldn't even... You, they literally waved like at, after the trade deadline. They waved him. They, didn't, they couldn't even get a second-round pick for him, and they waved him. And then he ends up, you know, signing. He played for Portland for like three minutes and then four minutes in like uh, Denver and then was out of the league at like 26 or 27. The problem is that 
I think that that trade happened in 2012 and you didn't relay that pick until 2017. And so Hmm. that five-year window, the Sacramento Kings could not trade their first round pick at all because of the stepping rule, because it was a protected first round pick in the end, it dissolved and became a second round pick, which was, was, uh, then at that point, the Chicago bulls pick, um, they had acquired it hoping for, uh, it was cousins final season in Sacramento, uh, the 2015, 16 season, the Kings were in the playoffs when they didn't make the playoffs, the pick, uh, fell to number 10. Uh, no, it, they fell down to number eight. If it was after pick number 10, which they were in the playoffs when they had cousins, they traded him or they were a game out. Um, if they would have continued on that way and been like the 13th pick, they lost that pick to, uh, the Chicago bulls. Instead, it was the eighth pick because they lost games after they traded cousins from the eighth pick. They moved up to number two and then fell back to number five and drafted De'Aaron and Fox. And the one thing I'll point out who made that trade. Jeff Petrie was Jeff Petrie there to see it through. No, no, no. And it two uh, it was two general managers later. Yeah. I will say that that's one of the things that if you're a general manager, you look at and you're like, well, this is the next guy's problem. I got to do what's right for, for me. So, um, yeah, that's why you might see a 20, a 2023 and a 2025 pick traded and not a 2022, 2024, 24, Hundred yeah. percent, and I will get. You know what? Shout out Isaiah Thomas, Alex Horiaki. I gotta give that one. That was terrible. That, that was, was terrible. Uh, Tyreek Evans for Gravis Vasquez. That was terrible. Um, I forgot about. That. Oh, Kevin Martin for. Yeah, that was. I thought wasn't Gravis a free agent though? No, Gravis. No? They no, they traded Gravis yeah. in the Toronto deal for uh, right. Rudy Gay. No, no. Uh, they uh, Tyreek was a free agent. They were about to sign him to a qualifying offer. The Kings said, well, we'll match, which wasn't true. And then they said, okay, we'll give you Gravis. And they said, okay, we'll do the deal. Gotcha. And yeah. so uh, I think Tyreek got a four-year 48, something like that. And the Kings got Gravis, who was part of the uh, trade that Rudy brought Gay in trade. Rudy Gay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So Not that's why I, I bring up that the Stepien rule. You think it's nothing. You think that giving up a a protected pick means nothing. And then I, you know, wackadoodles out there saying you, you've got to trade for, you know, uh, if you don't get Simmons or um, what's his name? Uh, Celtics. Uh, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown. Or Jason Tatum, by the way. Yeah. The, then you just totally screwed this whole thing up and you should have just traded for Reddish. That's just not the case. Like, right. Like there are like 28 other teams that would at least go, huh? Those guys are going to be available. Well, maybe I can come up with something better. I will say this, James. I mean, we're talking about Cam Reddish, Jalen Brown, or, or Jason Tatum. I'll take either one of them, and I will give you all my picks. <laughs> I'll give you all, all my monies. Yeah. You take all you my want. monies. <laughs> yep, take them. All right. Sean's got to get somewhere. Um, so, uh, Sean, do you have any final thoughts? SNL comes back this week. <laughs> I'm oh. very happy about that. Yeah. Who's the host? I don't remember her name. I don't remember her name because she's in West Side Story and I'm not a big musical. I love music, but I don't, I'm not a big musical guy, but yeah, yeah, she's, she's, I know Bleachers is the musical guest. So I'm excited for that. Um, 
go Niners since we're not going to talk, right? Yeah. Even though I don't, I don't, I, unless we have to have emergency pod in case something happens, but right. Go Niners. I didn't, I didn't pick them to win. I think the Cowboys oh. will win, which is, oh. I hate saying so. So I pray I'm wrong as a Niner fan. I hope I'm wrong, but yeah, I, I don't, I just can't see it. Can you? Uh, well, I mean, who knows? Like this Niners team, like you have no idea what, what right. Niners team is going to show up week in and week out. If their defensive line gets cooking, then Dak is in a lot of problems. If they don't get pressure on the quarterback, they're shot because their defensive backfield just isn't very good at all. I know. I, I am not a fan. So. I will say I was talking to our good friend Kenny Caraway at the game the other night or last night again for the Lakers. And uh, again, I hope I hope I'm wrong. I like what I've seen from Jimmy over these past few weeks. Um, I, even with the bad game, I mean, for him to rally him and have these long drives has been great, but he thinks the uh, winner of this game goes to the Super Bowl. I'm huh. not there. I'm not there because hmm. there is still Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady alive in the NFC. So I'm not there, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, that was his take. Yeah. Um, I'm going to call him right now and start placing some bets. Uh, so I've got to run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to go take Kenny's money and Do I'm going to take a bunch of his, uh, 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 violet fog, uh, rum. That's what I'm going to, I'm just going to take bottles from, from Kenny. If that's, that. if that's what he thinks. Um, I have to try that. Yeah. I had, I had, I, I went to Damien's Christmas party and we, we, uh, I, you know, uh, it, it's I got lost in the mail. <laughs> sorry about that. Well, I <laughs> am sorry or just sorry? ESPN 1320's James Ham. That's Sean. true. So, That's I mean, right. come on now. Uh, all right. So let's see. Make sure that you uh, you jump on and give us a rating and a review and a thumbs up on and subscription to uh, here on YouTube. Um, and if you're not watching it on YouTube, uh, that's cool. We're, we're having a good time either way. And, and we're laughing and you get to see some us guy, laugh. <laughs> some guys going like gladiator. He's like, do I do? I? No, no. no. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other thing is like, when you see me do a Twitter thread, like I did earlier today, or you see my game recaps and their big, long Twitter threads, you have to understand that that's part of what I do at the King's beat that the reason why I'm able to go to games is because of the Kings beat and because of paid subscriptions. And that's why I'm writing game recaps and stuff like that there, because I think it makes more sense on Twitter than forcing you to read another crappy game recap that you don't really want to do <laughs> after another loss. I think getting them in six quick text messages is really easy. And I also think that giving you an explanation in like eight or nine uh, tweets uh, on this entire Cam Reddish thing provided value to you today uh, that you would not have had. And I didn't make you click on a link and go read it. Um, so just keep that in mind. We could use uh, it, all the, the premium subscribers that we can get on the King's Beat. And uh, you get to come to the happy hour, which is like the bomb. Um, <laughs> Sean and I, we drink. Well, this last one he didn't, but typically that's what we do. Um, so... Uh, make sure to subscribe to the King's Beat and do all that stuff. Um, outside of that, uh, everyone be safe. It's uh, the weather's turning. It looks like it's going to be warm up a little bit. Um, it's still been a crazy winter. Uh, the Kings have an opportunity here to string together a four-game win streak. I'm so nervous. We're, we're guaranteeing a four-game win streak, Sean. No, we're not. Um, but yeah, Houston, uh, Houston, Detroit, Detroit, all at home, all in Sacramento. And then you get the Bucks, so we know what's going to happen mm. with the Bucks. They're going to go zero and three, 
and they're going to beat the Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> There it is, science. It's science. All right. So that's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat podcast for Sean Cunningham from ABC 10. I am James Ham. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>